welcome to the 119th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm good. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, whatever it is, right? Happy holidays. So, Roger, one of the areas of focus across all the wireless providers this past year has been business, uh, and I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Why don't you give us a breakdown of the business landscape in wireless and where we sit today? So when we look at business, it's like this this mystical entity where everybody thinks it's like so awesome and so big, but doesn't have really good numbers out there. And so as as we dive deeper into business here, we, we did a little bit of a market sizing exercise and you know, business has been actually a bright spot for in 2022, where everybody has been growing, right? So, you know, we can triangulate this market relatively easily because we have some key metrics, right? Verizon has repeatedly told everybody that they have about 45% business market share. And they hammered that and that it's growing. By the way, everybody is growing, which is a nice thing because the total market is growing. So given that they have like 17.8 million phone lines and you take the 45%, that gives you about 39.5 million corporate liable phone lines. You know, To put that in context, there are 319.5 million total phone lines in the U.S. and about 247 million postpaid phone lines. So, you know, this is not even 20%. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's that's really interesting, right, is T-Mobile is talking about they're the new entrant. And most recent... UBS conference, right? It was UBS. You know, Mike Siva talked about that they're in the almost in the teens, right? Mm-hmm. So if we give them twelve percent and one percent for everybody else, that gives AT and T about forty two percent market share. And when you look at the revenues for Verizon and AT and T, because both of them report wireless service revenue. Verizon is at like 3.2 billion a uh, quarter and and uh, AT&T is at 3 little shy of 3.1 billion. So even that comes out to almost exactly where you want it to be. And that basically tells you this is like a 7.3 billion dollar market. But the shocking thing is businesses are actually paying less than consumers do. So this is not like this ultra-rich market. And contrary, and I think everybody or a lot of people were surprised when Verizon first broke it out in 2018, that business actually has higher churn than consumers. So you have a, a relatively small market that pays you less than consumers with higher churn. But you're dealing with fewer buyers. And that's a big, big thing, right? 
Right. So the marketing and the cost to serve is a different animal than the consumer space, right? Exactly. So that makes it attractive. Also, you know, I don't know if you, you remember, I was talking about the first responder market, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've covered that before on the podcast. Yeah, and then I fault, and I, I basically said, like, so where are all these people coming from? It should be a zero-sum game. And doing a lot of research on this, there are about 85 million, uh, not 85 million, 85,000 first responder agencies. And when you subtract from that the Verizon and AT&T first responder agencies, there are about 20,000 agencies left that don't have a corporate or first responder contract, at least not from Verizon and AT&T. And I'm pretty sure T-Mobile doesn't have 20,000 first responders on their books. So it's a lot less. So... When we look at the first responder market, the reason why it's expanding is that all three, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, are making inroad in first responders, especially in the, with the agencies that don't have a, uh, a business contract, a corporate liable contract, which in my opinion, they should. Because I think, you know, the idea that a police officer, an EMT, a firefighter would have to use their private phone for their first responder communication. It's just mind-blowing, right? As a, From a police perspective, anything you do with this, if they take a picture of this, it becomes evidence. What's the chain of evidence here? So the question is not if, but when all of these first responders will have to go to a a contract with the carrier. Well, the key, the key is on some level, you know, all, all these first responders have radios and things of that nature. But what you're exactly. talking about is things, yeah, things, things like you know, data applications like taking photos of a of a crime scene, things like that, shouldn't live on personally liable devices, which obviously makes a lot of sense. But as we see more and more applications be, move beyond voice for first responders, there needs to be a separate separate connection there and, a, and a, as you say, a, a chain of custody that doesn't involve personally liable devices. Yeah, and they deserve being on a, having a connection that is pri- being prioritized, right? If we have the normal the normal daily mayhem that first responders are, are are facing, then we don't necessarily need prioritization and preemption. But if planes hit buildings, if there are mass shootings and other things that are unfortunately all too common, right, where wireless usage goes through the roof, we need these, or, or we have uh, hurricanes, right? We will have more hurricanes. We will have more tornadoes when network resources will become scarce and we need the first responders to have priority access to this. As important it is for one family member to talk to another family member that they're safe, it is more important for police, fire, and ambulance to save these persons when they're in danger. 
Which is all to say that the total addressable market for first responders is going up, right? And that's a component of business. It's going up. There's 30% growth left in the market here, right? About 60,000 or so first responder agencies have a corporate contract. About 20,000 do not have that. And so there's still a lot of juice left in the market. And the same thing, it's with businesses, right? We saw a lot of business creation, and that has really driven the business market. What will be really interesting is when the guys who who are not in there yet sufficiently, how that market share re, redistributes, right? T-Mobile has significantly less market share than in consumer. You know, one would think that their market share will probably rise, right? We have cable coming in. They they have a very formidable business wireline operation. And one would imagine they want to replicate that on on uh, on wireless and the bundling would make a lot of sense. And and we see a lot of movement between AT&T and Verizon. Verizon's traditional strength is in SMB, and AT&T's traditional strength is in enterprise. And both view the other's market share as something that they can go and, and raid, right? And so you, have a, you actually have a very intense competition here going on, right? Well, and we also have some new technological changes coming, right? So as, as carriers transition over to standalone and things like slicing come to the fore, can you talk a little bit about how there may be different use cases or kind of network dimensioning pieces that could fit along for, for enterprise as well? Well, absolutely. You, you have, you know, you have right now that big trend towards private networking. You also have the trend and the development here for network slicing, which basically gives you a guaranteed share of the the, the radio access network of the core and everything. It's like having a private network without having to, to build it yourself and maintain it yourself. And so there is a lot of tension in that market as well, because you have the, the hyperscalers trying to build and and to promote private networks that run on their infrastructure and on unlicensed or lightly licensed uh, spectrum, like Wi-Fi 7 or or CBRS. And you have the the mobile network operators and and MBNOs coming in from from the licensed spectrum perspective and with with that making it a much lighter lift. Now I would expect that to come in 23 as everybody is rolling out standalone 5G networks. And so 23 probably late because you need time and and businesses have a very slow sales cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to be sure that this thing works before they they bet the farm on it. But that will come. That's another battle area. And everybody looks at this and says like, Wireless is the better solution, especially on a manufacturing basis, than having to wire everything 
right? They spend millions of dollars on wiring a factory floor and then basically nailing down the production floor based on where the wiring is. When things change, the cost to to change is prohibitive, right? And with wireless, with 5G, if you can build this, you know, then your factory floor becomes completely dynamic and you can change that all. So there's a lot of expectation and hope that when when industry 4.0 becomes fully mobilized, that a lot of things, especially on the shop floor, become more flexible. And there's a lot of upside. The question is, where's that upside going? All right. Well, Roger, that's all we have time for today. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you.